Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hey, this is Gene Briggs. Welcome to Eating Habits. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the end of March. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my father, Peter Lynch. Happy birthday, Dad. In this week's episode, we speak to Gene Briggs. I spent many years working on his line in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm really excited to get him behind the mic today. I hope you enjoy the stories. Here we go. All right, so Gene. Jamie. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. So first of all, you and I met probably back in... 03. 03. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we worked together for a long time. So I started... I worked for you... At Blue Restaurant and Bar. Yep. Um, also at Table. Yep. Um, out in yep. Valentine. Yeah. Um, and uh, we worked together for I don't know five or five years, six, six years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're gonna cut. We're gonna get into all that because yep. a lot of great things happened for me over that. For all of us. Yeah. yeah for all of yeah. us during that time. I mean, that yeah. was a huge chunk. Of, I think that was the longest. I mean, other than my current, sure, my own restaurants. <laughs> that's my. That was my longest stint in, in, in any too. in yeah. any kitchen. So we'll get to that. But first, let's talk about kind of where you came from, how you ended up in, in Charlotte, because right. um, you're a fellow New Yorker. Absolutely. So um, so let's kind of start there and go through, like, you know, kind of how you fell into cooking and, mm-hmm. and you know, hospitality and stuff, and then what kind of landed you here sure. in Charlotte. Uh, from upstate New York, Binghamton area, up there, uh, famous for speedies. Yes. Uh, we've, t- we've had many a conversation have- about speedies. <laughs> um, we actually have them on our, our menu at Charlie Barn right now. Do you really? Yeah, yeah people oh, I'm love coming. them, buy them, yeah. Sold. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> uh, so up there, you know, mid-20s, early mid-20s, I made the choice to move down to Charlotte. My brother had been going to school here, and I came down here in January, and I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I said, I'm never going back up to that cold again. Yeah. And so... Paradise. You yeah, found paradise. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And at that time, downtown Charlotte at 5 o'clock in the afternoon rolled up the streets. Literally, there were tumbleweeds going down there. There was nothing there at nighttime. I started working at two restaurants in the same building. It's where Mimosa Grill is now. It was the bottom one. And then on the 30th floor um, was a place called Slogue's 30th Edition. It was a steakhouse up there. Uh, The bottom floor was a place called Prism's. And I was there for a a few years. You know, and you, you come down from New York and start working here and... People are like, oh, you know, that's how you're supposed to do it. You know, I, I, you know, and you know, kind of going back to that upstate New York thing. You know, I grew up. I started cooking when I was five or six for my mom and dad, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever that I can. Because I like to eat, obviously. For those of you that don't know, Gene, you're you're a big dude. Yeah, good you're size, like, like about three hundred, five eleven, six foot, about six foot, six foot. Yeah. 300. Yeah. He's, he's a big boy. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of got there and I got into the business when I was about 14, 15. Started working. Were my your co- parents good cooks? Were, or were they just, did you guys eat a lot or was it like, or were they, were they? My mom's a good cook. I mean, she, it was, it was all, you know, nice, good comfort food. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd eat 10, 15 pounds of mashed potatoes at a, at a city, you know, yeah. old Irish family. Did you, and so how many brothers and sisters do you have? I've got one brother, one sister. Okay, so there's three of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and did you guys have like was meal time like a thing where you guys have a meal every oh, yeah. night or like breakfast? You know, we go to school, then we'd have dinner, sit down dinner. You know, my dad worked for UPS. So was his schedule kind of changed a, a lot, uh, but we kind of wait for him to come home most of the time, and and we'd sit down and eat together. Gotcha. And you know, it was it was a it was a big thing. You know, for me. I've always been into food, always really liked it. And then, you know, once I started working in the actual business, I was like, this is incredible. You know, and I'd, I'd be a dishwasher in there and I'd, I'd look at these line cooks and they were, you know, getting all the girls and, you know, they'd be. Tell me about that first restaurant. So you were a dishwasher first. I was a dishwasher. Many of us, same here. Oh yeah. We started, started early on. (laughs) So you're, so you're 14 or 15. Yeah. And what was the restaurant that you It was started? an Italian restaurant called Augustino's. Okay. And my cousin, you know, ran it. He was a GM. 
The uh, the owner's name was Guido Iacovelli. Of course. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> of course it was. And he was that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just got to, as, as I actually started out as a busboy, and, you know, kind of a story here kind of gave me my thoughts as to servers in front of house people. I went in there, working there, really working hard, busting my ass, and um, I was there for a couple of weeks, and my cousin comes up, he's like, wow, you must be making really good money and everything. I said, yeah, it's pretty good. He's like, all those tips coming in every night must be awesome. I said, huh? what tips? <laughs> yeah. He's like, they're not giving you any tips. I said, I have never seen anything. So he got the whole staff together. He said, what's a tip? Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> what's that? You know, he got the whole staff together, and he's like, have you guys not been tipping out the busboys? And they're just all like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so he made them give me money on the spot. They all hated me at that point. Uh-oh. And so I was yeah. like, I don't I want anything to do with this. I'm just going to be a dishwasher from yeah. now on. <laughs> you know, then became a prep cook. And I was like, okay, this is really what I want to be doing. This is what I've seen. You know, I still hadn't made it to the line yet. You know, I'm 16 years old. You know, I finally got, finally got my shot on the line. I was like, this is incredible. So as a prep cook at that time, what were you? Do, what were your tasks look like? Like so at this, I'd go in and put my own spot. prep list together, and you know, in a place like that, I'd be making all the sauces, you know, you know, the meatballs, and you know, we had a buffet at that time, you know, mm-hmm. and so we'd put that out, and I, you know, I put that together, just get everything ready for it, yeah. and you know, even at that point, I took a lot of pride in what I was doing, and that's also when I started having a reoccurring issue. Why doesn't everybody else think this is as cool as I do, you know? And why don't everybody? Why doesn't everybody else think that, you know, this food is awesome and this is great and you know? And that's where I started, you know, realizing okay, well, maybe I have a little bit more than than everybody else going into this. Mm-hmm. And it kind of followed me to be a line cook, and I'd be work with people, and I'm like, what what is wrong with you? <laughs> why why don't you want to do it the right way? Or a server, why don't you understand how important this is that we're doing right here? And, you know, I think that that kind of, a lot of us that are like this, you know, I know you and, and Ben, everybody, you know, we had that same thought a lot. Yeah. Why doesn't everybody understand how incredible this is, what we're doing? Why do you think that is? Like, looking back now, like, identifying that as like an early kind of thought that you had, mm-hmm. right? Like, go, getting, like, getting kind of into restaurants and cooking yeah. and all that and thinking to yourself, why aren't people getting this the way that I am? Looking back now, why do you think that is? What do you think causes that? I think that there's some people that are just um, geared towards that. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. You know, I, I since then, I enjoy getting up in the morning and going into work. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody does that. Right. Most people from it's just a job. Yeah. You know, and so I'd be trying to push. I'd always want to be the best person in everywhere I worked. Mm-hmm. And... um I couldn't understand why everybody didn't have that drive. Yeah. And so, you know, we keep going. And then as I got into it more and started kind of getting myself up to an upper level in some of these places, I was like, okay, I really need to learn about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I go to the local library when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old and just find all the old cookbooks I could. I mean, Binghamton's an old town, so they had, yeah. you know, a lot of these libraries, they had stuff. And I saw this reoccurring a person in all these books and I'd be like who is this James Beard guy mm-hmm. and so I'd start reading his books and it was all fairly simple stuff but he went into it technically wise and yeah. really showed you um, how to do it and I'd bring that back to the restaurants okay I want to try this now and I just keep getting my skills better and better mm-hmm. you know then I'd talk to other people you know I've read this book by James Beard they'd be like who? yeah who's James Beard yeah What's that guy? Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that. And so that shaped a lot of stuff too. So I kept going, you know, New York and I'd be, you know, running restaurants up there and everything. And then 20 years old, I got my first chef gig up there. Was that in Binghamton? In Binghamton still, yeah. Okay. Where where was was that? It was at a um, restaurant, a hotel up there. There's a hotel in Binghamton? There's a couple. <laughs> it's not a motel? It's, it's mostly adult bookstores and, and bars, but yeah, <laughs> um, there are a couple of hotels up there. But um, And so I was like, this is awesome. You know, I get to call the shots and everything, but I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, you were 20? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> I think back to when I was 20 and I was like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know and, what I was thinking. But I, but I think it's because I've always had that kind of 
leadership mentality. You know, I always wanted to be running the show, and most people are like, all right, yeah, go ahead. You know, I really don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, Binghamton's, you're only going to go so far. So that's when I started thinking about coming down here. I finally got the shot, moved down here, and like I said, I was working in those two restaurants for a while, and then I got a chance to work at the um, the Charlotte Country, or the Charlotte City Club. Mm-hmm. With Chef Jean Lampel and Uli Keller, and so explain what the City Club is for people who might not know. The City um, Club, you know, it's especially da- back, especially back then. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was a country club, but it was within downtown. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of businessmen would come in there for lunches. They scheduled dinners. They'd have their meetings there. And, and at that point, there was a lot of high power people that were coming into the City Club. Mm-hmm. And I finally got to work with a chef at that point that was like, holy shit, look what this guy could do. I mean, Jean Lampel, I still talk to him to this day. And he's one of the first people that really kind of shaped what I wanted to be. His name was Chef. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, then at that point, I was like, I can't wait till the day that my name is Chef. And that's right. all they call me. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, so I kind of worked with them for a while. So did he? Was he like the first kind of like mentor type? Uh, yeah. Chef that you worked for? Yeah. You know, because I saw, you know, at that point he had been doing it for a while, so he wasn't really on the line cooking, doing a lot of stuff at that point. But anytime he did cook, it, it was almost like magic. Yeah. You know, it'd be holy shit! How does he do that? You know, mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd emulate him, and again, I go back to the cookbooks. You know, how do we do this? How do we do that? Um, and it just did came. He, did he take a, like? Sorry to cut you off. No, I'm that's curious. Fine. Did he take like a vested interest in teaching you yes. technique and stuff? Yes. Cool. So he actually took time mm-hmm. out to be like, "Hey, this is how we properly do this. Or, yep. This is how I want this done." Yep. Uh, and so you were just kind of like sponging up all that. And, and that's what it was. So. And there was a, another guy in there, his sous chef, Uli Keller from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uli was this little short guy, chain smoked cigarettes all day long ate butter sandwiches all the time. He weighed 100 pounds. was the most unhealthy guy ever. But, you know, I'd come in and show him some techniques that I'd been using before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Watch this. But then he'd say, no, watch this. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that one of the first ones, it was like, I don't know, we were doing veal parmesan or something simple like that or like a schnitzel. And I put mine in the deep fryer. It came out nice, crispy, juicy. I was like, well, look at that. He's like, watch this. And he pan fried some. Yeah. And I was like. And some butter and uh-huh. salt and yeah. all that. And herbs like, and everything. I was yeah. like, ah. <laughs> oh, <no> that's <laughs> the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really, you know, eye-opening for me with those guys. Yeah. Um, How long did you um, did you work with that team there? Two years. Mm-hmm. And then a former guy that um, worked there with me, Chris, went to work at Sonoma Restaurant over on Providence Road. The original chef there, after three months, quit. So they made Chris the chef. He brought me in as sous chef. At that point, you know, Charlotte was just starting to kind of bite on good food. What 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 year was that? That was nineteen ninety four. Okay, that was ninety four, yeah. and there had been a um, a restaurant there called Crossroads before that with a, a chef named Toby McAfee, mm-hmm. and he kind of started really bringing. You know, I'd say call it California style cuisine, you know, but what he's meaning, you know, fresh, using local farmers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they closed down and we went in there with Sonoma with Pierre Bader owning it. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of continued that. And so Chris and I at that point were, you know, just eating up everything we could look at, um, you know, find the, the newest Charlie Trotter book that would come out. And then there was a, a a restaurant that opened up the road called uh, the Townhouse, mm-hmm. and the chef there was name was um, Etienne Julian. Mm-hmm. He worked with Jean Louis up in D.C. Jean Louis Paladin. Yeah, yeah. And so he brought all that stuff down here. Mm-hmm. He started using foie gras and sweetbreads, yeah. and like, okay, we're like, okay, we're going to do that stuff too. And so we started using a lot of those products like that. People in Charlotte weren't using that at that time. Yeah. And so then a lot of restaurateurs started coming into town at that point. When they opened Bonterra, mm-hmm. they came in there and they used to eat at Sonoma all the time. And all these other chefs would come in and say, okay, these are the guys we've got to, you know, stage ourselves against. Mm-hmm. 
worked there for a few years, and then Chris opened another restaurant with Pierre, so they made me the chef at Sonoma. And, you know, at that point, I was like, this is it right here. Mm-hmm. You know, there were three of us in the kitchen, and, you know, we just were killing it, and we were doing all How, how big food. was the dining room there? Like, what was the, what was the service like? How busy was it? Um, you had three people in the kitchen, so I imagine you weren't doing massive 80 seat, numbers. 80-seat dining room. Okay, that's pretty big. It was good size for, for that, for yeah. Three, for a three-man line, that's... Yeah. I mean, we had 40 seats at Barrington's with Bruce, and we yes. were getting our asses kicked. I know. <laughs> and it was, it was, you know, it was madness during yeah. shifts. There was no air conditioning in the kitchen. It was like 120 degrees. You know, then Helen Schwab came in and did a review for us, and we killed it. Awesome. And then everything just blew up from there. But again, I still kept having that issue of why don't all you people get it the way I get it? Mm-hmm. And it started coming out more angry at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I started getting a reputation, you know, yelling at people and they're crying in the middle of the shift and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is okay, but they're doing it. Yeah. So it's working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we kept, um, you know, kept pushing the bounds there. And, um, you know, after a few years, I was like, okay, I really kind of want to move on from here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought I was the shit then. You know, one of the hottest restaurants in how, town. How old were you at this point? You're late 20s. Yeah, so your ego's like no through the fucking shit. roof. Yeah, you know, you're, I'll tell you, I look at some of those old menus from back then, and I'm like, what was what that? the fuck was that? <laughs> I know. I know. We'll, we'll get yeah. to that, too, because yeah. I think that's like, that's the, you know, <laughs> the funny thing about aging is that you like, you, your perspective gets broader. Absolutely. And you like, you look back, I mean, I do that all the time. Just even like a few <laughs> years. I look back five years ago, and I'm like, yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. And, and you know, it, it, it was it, it was awesome at the point. Then I went to a, this, you know, big corporate place, Bistro 100. It was owned by Levy. Yep. But at that point, Levy wasn't... As big, right? It no, was... they weren't the place. They they were super focused on high-end food. They had three James Beard chefs working for them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominique Tone up at Bistro 110 in um, Chicago. Um, they, had, they had some really top-end chefs, and they were really pushing it. So one of the things with Levy's, I got to go work with all those guys up there. Right. And, you know, that just really blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they sent me to California. They sent me to Chicago. B- Bistro, that, that was a, that's a big restaurant. That was that a, was a, a 300-seat restaurant, yeah. So you went from Sonoma, 80-seat, you know, farm-to-table-y mm-hmm. stuff, to Bistro that was like a 300-seat monster. And, and it was busy, too, right? It was like you, super busy, yeah. Um, how was that transition? It was difficult at first. You know, how do I keep the same quality doing these numbers? But in all reality, it shaped me for my future, what we, you know, what came from there. Mm -hmm. And it really helps because we were able to do that quality of food for that many people. You just need a lot more people Mm -hmm. to to do it. And so, how big was your team at Bistro going into that that monster restaurant? That's when I started to build my team. Okay. That's where, um, Dago came in. He was working there. Manny, all those guys. Those guys even were all Mitchy. Those, those guys were all there when you arrived. Either they were there, or I had brought them in soon afterwards. Okay. And so that really started the whole legacy of all these guys that have worked with me for so many years. Mm-hmm. That that helped so much because you can do anything at that point. You just point these guys in a direction. They know how you want it. But I think the biggest impact of that company there is that I was able to get access to people that most people in this business only dream of. I actually got to work with Paul Bocuse for an entire week. That's awesome. Which How was, was that experience? Uh, scary at first because he walked in the door and I had hired a friend of mine, Harrison Booth, um, another really good chef in this town. We were working there and Dominique and Paul Bocuse come walking in the restaurant and they're like, we'd like some food. So I'm like, Fuck. I'm cooking for Paul. Yeah, like, right uh, I'm not prepared for yeah. this. <laughs> you know, and, and he wanted something as simple as a steak and a salad. Mm-hmm. But even that, you know, cooking for someone who I'm here yeah. because of Paul Bocuse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everybody gets that. I think all of us are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think most, I, honestly, I think if you went in my kitchen right now 
any of my kitchens mm-hmm. and ask some of the young cooks who Baba Goose is or what what his, what was his impact or legacy in cuisine, they wouldn't have a clue. None of them what, know who he is. Right. You know, and again, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. How do you not know who this guy is and right. you're in this business? But then, and most people don't even know who Ferdinand Point was. <laughs> exactly. And that was the guy who trained Paul Bucuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, these guys are going back. We're talking about like, you know, 100 years ago, oh, yeah. right? Like, um, I mean, Paul Bocuse was, I mean, how old was he when he passed away? Like In his 90s? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he was almost 100 years old. Yeah. So then Ferdinand Point was another, uh-huh. you know, um, you know, generation closer to Kareem and Scalfi oh, yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, they are the people who literally changed the face of cuisine Absolutely. in the world. Um, and allowed us to develop the techniques Absolutely. and styles. That's that, where that, those techniques came from. Right, yeah. From those guys right there. Totally, 100%. And, and you know, to, to just be in that guy's shadow like that. Cooking cooking yeah. lunch for him. Yeah. And, and then not only that, you know, that was like a day or two later, and I'm, you know, picking individual time leads because that's what he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he comes up with Dominique, and he says to the Dominique, and Dominique's like, uh... Chef Bocuse would like you to make the consomme for his. Um, we did we did a full dinner. It was like his his soup VGB that's got the beef cheeks, mm-hmm. the foie gras. He's a, he'd like you to do the consomme for it. Again, I'm like, oh, oh shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's heavy. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, I worried about it all that day. Went in the next day, made it, and it came out perfect. Yeah, and he didn't really say anything. Sure. But the fact that he didn't say anything to was, me was a win. You're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh-huh. <laughs> the, you know, that's another, you know, with, with that company, you know, we were able to work with Joel Robichon. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to hear, see somebody that's manic. I mean, he walked into a room full of James Beard Award winning chefs, and they're all doing, you know, mirepoix and cutting things for the, for the dinner that he was doing. He walked in, shit, yeah. throw it on the floor, shit, throw it on the floor. And these guys just put their heads down, like, okay, yeah, you know, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the presence of almost godliness in this business mm-hmm. with with guys like that. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, and to me, that's you know, equating them to you know, in the food industry to someone like you know Da Vinci or somebody like that in the art. Yeah, you know, I mean, these guys have, we're all good cooks, sure, but these guys have transcended that, and mm-hmm. they're just like. You know, that's what they are. Yeah. And, and so to be able to see and meet people like that is just, it's incredible. That's awesome. So, you know, we, we went through the that for a few years at Levy. And, you know, I told the chef there, I said, listen, when I came in the building, you know, I was, I was cool shit. And I said, I'm going to make you famous if you hire me. You just stand back and let me do it. I mean, that the confidence has also followed me through my career, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he did it. Yeah. And let me do all that. Yeah. He's like, well, that's fine. Yeah. Sweet. So I can just sit here and drink my coffee and you're going (laughs) to. Yeah. And so, you know, we started getting into, you know, all of the, you know, chef competitions in town and the taste of the nation. And we started winning all these awards and stuff like that. He was getting the credit, but everybody in town knew who was doing it. Right. I mean, you were out there in the field doing it. With him. You were the guy on the line when people went into. To, to have dinner or whatever, you were the one that was doing the cooking at the events. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, I worked the the wood burning oven at there, which was the busiest station. Yeah. And from there, I could show everybody else what to do and how to do it and everything. You know, to me, that was incredible. Yeah. So I remember, you know, that's just when you said working the wood burning oven, I had a kind of a flashback to Blue, and I think you know, for me, coming up under Andrew Carmelini, Andrew Carmelini oh, was my yeah. mentor, and. That dude is a fucking badass in the kitchen. Um, and the, 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 the reason I followed Andrew and basically, like, you know, would do anything to work with him mm-hmm. is that he was on the line. Like, he wasn't one of these chefs that was, you know, telling you what to do and giving you recipes. <laughs> like, he would knock your ass off a fucking station and, like, throw down. Oh, yeah. If you were, like, if you were you know, in the weeds or, or dragging in service, like he would slide down there and just fucking show you how it was done. And I, and I just, I respected the shit out of that. Absolutely. Right? Cause he could back it up. Mm-hmm. And I remember your big ass on the fucking line. Cause that line at blue is, and we'll get to that. We'll talk about blue. Yeah. That line sucked. I mean, yeah. it was narrow and long. 
Oof. And you would come barreling down that fucking thing, and it was just like <laughs> it was like a bowling ball coming down, and people just out of the way. Yeah, um, I, I remember I had that connection, like uh-huh. that similar kind of thing where you weren't afraid to get on the line and like mm-hmm. get some burns and make it happen. And, and that's you know, I, not so much to this day, you know, yeah. but um, we don't have the joints that we used. No, to. that's a, that's a that's a fact. Yeah, and we'll touch on that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so. So you were working the wood burning oven, there yeah, and like and kind of running the show. Always the whole deal. And then I heard about these guys opening this big restaurant next door. I was like, hmm. And the chef from Bistro One Hundred put his application in there first. Really? And so I was like, well, I don't know about that. I think I'm going to go talk to these guys. And that's when I met Alex and Jack. Mm-hmm. Interviewed with them, and, and they pretty much hired me on the spot. Cool. You know, they had gotten a lot of word from people in town. You know, this is the guy that's, they loved Beastro 100. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is the guy that's really running the show and everything. And so then I hooked up with them. Beastro 100 was across the street. Right across the street. It was across Fifth Street yep. from where Blue yep. ended up opening. Literally yeah. right across the street. And so I wanted to find something where I could take it from the start. Yeah. And really make it my own. And so, you know, we got into construction. The kitchen had already been designed at that time. So there wasn't a whole lot I could do about that. And I, I didn't, you know, honestly know that much about kitchen design at that point anyways, right. you know. So we went in there, and I got, you know, did all these tastings for them and did that. And then I'm like, all right, I got to start hiring my team. Was the was the equipment package already, like, put everything, in place? It was just, it was. It wasn't built. Built, but everything was, was already selected and, everything. and, like. Yeah. Do you know, did, did Alex and Jack have, a, like, a kitchen designer Build it. How did that? How that? Through U.S. Foods. Okay, so their like corporate team was like, mm-hmm. Here, "This is what you need for what you guys want to do." Boom. And because U.S. Foods, especially at that point, you know, they base their shit on frozen foods and stuff like that. Hundred percent. That's how their kitchen was set up. Yep. And so you know, it was a, it was a test at first when we first opened that place because because of all that. So you know, we're you know towards the end of that bistro days, you know, that's when I also started really looking at okay i need to help this next generation of guys come up so there was a few guys from the bistro days that still to this day talk to me and that are running some big restaurants and whatnot like that there was there's actually a kid from sonoma that he went and worked for some big time people in dc and i hadn't heard from him for a few years this kid his name was cubert and that was his nickname (laughs) And he caught up with me, and he brings me this book, and it's a book from Alan Ducasse. And he's like, open it up. And it was a signed book from Alan Ducasse. He said, I'm his pastry chef now in New York City. Wow. I was like, dude. He's like, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, really showing me how things are supposed to be and, you know, using good techniques and, and knowing the difference. Okay, there, there's only one way to do things. There's never a wrong way. There's only the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And so he really thanked me then. That, that really kind of touched me. Yeah. So, you know, so from then, I, you know, I was like, okay, I'd want to, you know, be able to get people out there that, that think like that and, and really want to, you know, listen to what we have to say. So we started putting together the team for Blue. Yep. I took a bunch of applications from Bistro 100 for people that were going to be coming in and taking my job. Mm-hmm. And so I started calling them up. And <laughs> one of the first ones was... Nice move, yeah. chef. I like that. <laughs> one of the first ones was Ben. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I call this Ben Miles kid and talked to him for a little bit on the phone. He's got this deep voice and everything. I'm like, all right. And so I'm like, all right, I'll meet you down by where they were, you know, constructing blue at the point. And I stand on the street and I see this little kid walking up there. I'm like, no, no way. That's not Ben. <laughs> and because I'm sure as shit, yeah. it's Ben. And uh, we started talking and we hit it off right away. Mm-hmm. Good kid. He, he, he's got a, you know, he's like, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulder. I can see that he works really hard. I think I'm going to hire this kid. Then I called John. Mm-hmm. And same thing. You know, he was working for Mark at the time, Mark Martin. Mm-hmm. So we kind of hit it off really well. And so I'm like, all right, there's one more. And then we're getting down to the kind of the wire. So I was like, I got to get another sous chef in here as busy as this place is going to be. And that's when I talked to Dominic. Mm-hmm. Totally lied on his resume. Totally lied about what he could do. Um <laughs> And I brought him in there. You know, I didn't have any place to, to bring people in to, to test them yeah, out, see yeah, what they could a, do. Do a cooking task yeah. or any sort of stage or anything. And so we're getting up to the day. We're getting ready to open. I see this kid's just not 
what he needs to be. Yeah. And so you know, we're getting up there, and, and you know, right from the very day that place opened, it was busy. Yeah. It was just silly, and Charlotte had never seen anything like that at that point. Yeah. So Blue was a big. It was a. Is it three hundred? Was it three hundred seats or? Three, two, yeah, right around uh, 250, 300. 250. Yeah. I mean, it was a big dining yeah. room. They spent a lot of money yes. uh, on the design and stuff. It was kind of like a, it had like a modern kind of design with a big bar. The whole floor of the bar was like a mosaic yeah. tile type yeah, situation. Yeah. yeah. It must have cost a fortune. A ton. Yeah, like yeah. that's a lot of money for some tile yeah. flooring. You know, and I think, um, you know, Alex always wanted to have live music in there. So mm-hmm. he had like jazz nights going on and had like live music. And that was big at the time. Nobody, you know, people weren't doing that. You yeah. Know, they, weren't, they weren't fusing the the fine dining, nice the nice dining right. with the music at that point in Charlotte. Right. And, and I, the menu was all Mediterranean. Yep. Right. That was like diehard Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, so everything was from... Anywhere around that area, and and it was a it was a lively place. Like it was, <laughs> it was when it was going, it was busy. I mean, it was loud. Or people were having a good time. It wasn't a stuffy, fine dining restaurant. It was like an upscale, it was. like nightlife type yeah. restaurant. More, more like something you'd see in a larger city. Totally, it really wasn't. We would people because there's so many people that come down here out of New York and Boston and DC, and like this would fit in 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 any of those cities. Just totally. you know the vibe of it and everything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there was, I mean, there, I don't think there was another restaurant like it in Charlotte no. that was doing that kind of thing. Certainly not uptown. No. Uptown, that was, was that like the first kind of big, attractive, like bustling restaurant uptown? It was, I mean, Beaster 100 uh, yeah. was, but it was more, you know. Businessmen. Yeah, and, and like, and it, like that. And people reserved, going to shows. Yeah, it was like a reserved like clientele. Mm-hmm. I remember... I mean, I came to Blue a little bit later, but it was fucking wild in there. It was like, wild. Like, people yeah. were fucking crazy. I was like, yeah, this is like next level <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people like, you know, it's like they come out for a nice dinner and like let their hair down. They know? did. They yeah. definitely let their hair down yeah. in that place for sure. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it's funny though, as I look back on it, you know, people were like saying, oh, you know, the cuisine here is eclectic. It's something that we, you know, we've never seen in Charlotte before. I'm like, it's really, basic food that everybody's seen for a long time for me it wasn't all that you know weird or different that a lot of people we actually the first couple of weeks we had people come to us and say hey you know alex is a friend of mine and the food here just isn't working and we just don't understand it and you know i had a, a purveyor one time come in and he's like yeah I just don't think you guys are going to make it. I don't think it, you know, you, you're going to really need to change it. And I threw him out the front door. Said, yeah, you know, hit get, the bricks. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so then, you know, but we were about a month into it. Things were busy. And I was like, we got to get some more line cooks in there. And John's like, I know this guy. <laughs> and I said, listen, John, anybody you tell me about, I'm going to jump on for sure. And then he showed me this resume for this guy named Jamie Lynch. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, let's get him in here immediately, you know. And, and I know that, that you had talked to a few people before that and everything. And it, and it people were, people get nervous. People don't want to give their recipes away. Yeah. People don't want to bring in somebody that might be as good as them, better than them, whatever. I didn't care. Again, I had that confidence. I'm like, I'm the king of the fucking world here right now. (laughs) You know, I want the best people around me. Right. You know, and it was almost magical, especially in this town, the team we put together. Yeah. You know, finally. Well, you put it together. Well, yeah, but finally I had people Mm like-minded that I didn't have to say, why don't you fucking get this? Yeah. They got it. Mm -hmm. And then some. And I'll say this day, I never taught any of you guys how to cook. Mm-hmm. You guys, yeah, you guys knew how to cook. That's why you were there. Yeah. And you know, did I show you things? Yeah. Did you guys show me things? Yeah. Yeah. Did we work on how to run a business? Yeah. Totally. You know, and then, you know that's something I learned from a big corporate place like Beast One Hundred. It's not all about the food you do. You got to run that business correctly too. Yeah. Because if you don't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think. You know, yeah, so I came in, I mean, I came into to Blue, you know, John hit me up. Mm-hmm. I was, I think I was, at that point I was working at, um, I think I was working at 
dish. I'd help them open yep. that because like their yep. their chef had like bailed or something. I lived in the neighborhood. I knew the people that were doing it. And their chef bailed like the day before they were opening, and they were like, <laughs> "Hey, we need help." And I was like, "All right, cool." So I kind of did that. I hated it. You know, like it was it wasn't what I was about. Right. right. I don't do southern like right family style stuff. I was like, I need to be pushing it. So John hit me up, and uh, I remember him. You know, he said to me, "He's like, look, we we need help." He's like, "We're we are need help yeah. bad. We're we, we need cooks. Like, all the, yeah, we need night. cooks." And um, I was like, "Okay, well, I was like, I can do that." Um, he's like, "I know." He's like, "You're way overqualified." He's like, "You're you're better cooked than any of us here. You have better experience than any of us, one hundred percent." And he's like, "But I don't have a chef position for you. He's like, is that gonna be a problem?" I was like, "I don't give a fuck." I was like, <laughs> "I'll come in there." I was like, "Let me show you what I can do." Yep. I was like, "Let me let me show you what I can do." And so, and he's like, "Well, how much do you need to make, right?" Because like the budget. And I think at that time, this is crazy. I think I took fourteen dollars an hour. I'm he's pretty like, sure, yeah. I think he was like, I think we top out at 14. I was like, fucking for real? <laughs> I was like, for real, dude? Okay, whatever. You know, I was like, whatever. And uh, so I came in and, man, it was busy. Yeah. So I ended up working saute with Bernie, who's also probably the other strongest cook in the kitchen, maybe other than his brother Doggo. Yeah, but, you know, Bernie was always good. Yeah. But as he worked with you more and more, yeah, he got that's better. when he really hit his peak. Yeah, right he got there. so he, Bernie was like a good high volume. Like he could handle. He didn't get flipped out over mm-hmm. like volume, so he was perfect for that station. Yep, that was like you know your tenderloin and like just the heavy duty stuff came off of there, and so he could handle volume. But his cooking was not good. Like no, it was technique wise, yeah, off wasn't there. Yeah, and so we really turned. Like, that was a two man station, and we were like, and we dialed it in. Like, oh. we got to the point where we were oh, crushing yes. out. Fucking. But I, I do remember, I mean, if you miss a steak drop, holy shit. Like, oh, that'll yeah. crash the kitchen. In there? Yeah. 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 We did that a couple of times. We missed a few, like, drops or whatever. And, I mean, it would bring service to a halt yeah. at times. Yeah. But and the good get, thing about it is we had, we had the people in there that could pick it back up and, and, yeah. and, and get it going again really quick. I mean, as I look back on that line, you know, I got... You and Bernie on saute. I've got Dago and Manny on um, grill. Yep. Then I've got John, John or Ben working with somebody on the on oven. oven. Then I've got Ben yep. or John or working with somebody on yeah on hot apps. Yeah, you had a pretty powerful team. Yeah, back I mean, and, and to me, and that's when I kind of had to to step back from working the line all the time. Yeah, because I was seeing all these things in the front of the house that I didn't like. Again, yeah, why don't they fucking get it? Right. You know, why don't they want to? put forth the effort that we put forth and and really make it happen was it your idea to do a whole fish yeah yeah that was the craziest shit i remember the first (laughs) week i was there and so we did a whole roasted bronzini yep and they would fillet it table side yep which i was just like fucking madness yeah the service hated me yeah they hated you for it and i mean it i don't know how you got them to do it like how, I mean, it was a successful thing. Like, yeah. And we sold a lot of them. A lot of them. I mean, we yeah. sold probably 35 or 40 a night. fish a night. Yeah. And yeah. they had to fillet each one at the table. There was no like, hey, we'll break it. Unless the guest asked. Yes. Like, hey, I don't, I don't, want I don't want to see that. I don't, I don't want to see any of that. You know, we would do it in the back. Mm-hmm. But that was rare. Very rare. Like, I mean, it wasn't even, we didn't even do one a night. People it was like every once in a while. Yeah. Just for that fish, yeah. And that shit would slow the fucking service down, too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, we're waiting on servers to finish filleting yeah. the fish before we send the rest send of the, the rest table. Of it out, yeah. And, um, and I just remember, like, thinking that that was madness, that we were doing it. Um, but looking back, it, it worked. I mean, it was really hard. It was a hard way to do it. It was. Probably wasn't the smartest way to do it. Probably not. <laughs> but it... But people did come in for it. Yep. It was a signature item that you couldn't get anywhere else that I know of. No, at that time, no. Yeah, Nobody and um, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it got written up, and people talked about oh, yeah. it. So, I, I mean, it was a success, a success in that regard. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, you know, and again, we got the visit from Ellen Schwab there, too. Mm-hmm. And um, Do you remember that review? Yeah. Was it good? Was it oh, good? It, was, it was glowing. You know, best crab cakes ever had. And, yeah. Um, the only thing we messed up on were some kebabs or something like that. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, and when that review came out, 
it just even blew up even more in that place. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, stepping off the line was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And some of those nights, like I said, we were just so busy. I mean, we were doing five or 600 people every night. And that's three courses and everything a la menu and everything, you know, it, it was just incredible. But for me, being able to look on the other side of the line and see you guys there. Yeah. I was like, okay, we got it. Yeah. Did that give you like a, a, like a sense of confidence knowing that you had a team that absolutely, and then again, cared as much as I did. Yeah. You know, you guys, you know, might not have been the executive chefs, but you cared about every single dish you put out. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what makes a difference between people that have got it in this business, people that don't have it. Yeah. hundred percent. All the time. We, we all joke about how you were the luckiest chef in Charlotte to have that team. 100%. Although kudos for you, I mean, you having the the cojones to hire us all and say, hey, you know, whatever, and having confidence and self awareness not to be put off by that, but also, you know, there was an element of timing where mm-hmm. we were all just kind of available. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. then snatching us up. But I mean, and our team was together for a long time, so we all worked long together time. for. I mean, Dominique got weeded out very quickly. About a month. I mean, yeah, but a month yeah. after I started, he yeah. was gone because I was like, yeah. "This guy's a fucking joke." Yeah. yeah, like I was like, "Get rid of this loser now!" And yeah, you know, like we don't need him. He's bringing us down. Oh yeah, and that and we all like that was all of us weeded him out. It, I think yeah, it was like it, it, <laughs> it wasn't was even anything. It was, it was like, yeah, no, he's got to go. Yeah, I'm me, John, and Ben were like, "Yeah, this guy, <laughs> Gene, you gotta." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But then the then the four of us were together for, um, I mean, who's the first one to leave? Three, no, until you guys went to table. Yeah. Nobody left at that point. And so when table opened, how? Oh, wait. So that was? No, 06. 06. 06, 07. So we were together for like three or four years. Three or four years together. Yeah. Then we opened. Ben moved to table as the CDC. Yep. John stayed yeah, and Greg, Greg Guthrie came in. Greg Guthrie came in mm-hmm. at Blue. Yep. I was at Table and and Blue. I yep. was kind of back and forth. Back and forth a little bit, yeah. A little bit, but I was mostly at Table mm-hmm. helping. Uh, we brought in Sam. Yeah, Sam Dimenich, Dimenich. Yeah. Was over at yeah. um, Table. Yep. And then I was kind of like the glue between the two bouncing between back two places, and forth. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. So Table was, I don't know, describe Table. Table was, you know... Not even an extension of blue. It was something we did totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, same quality and techniques, but more wood burning, more of a traditional kitchen. Um, well, you designed the kitchen. I was able to design was a huge first kitchen I'd ever designed. Yeah, I probably spent way more money than I was supposed to, but that was a beautiful kitchen. Yeah, it was great. I, I mean, I still have people like Bruce Moffat and these guys talking about that kitchen. Yeah, yeah, we we put an island in yeah. there. We, I mean, we designed it after the really upscale, mm-hmm. high-end kitchens that that I worked in. Yeah. And that all the guys that we admired, Yep, it was modeled after those style yeah. kitchens. It was it was an awesome place. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the biggest issue with table, it was wrong place, wrong time. Everybody says that. Yeah. I was talking to Bruce about that um, yesterday. We were chatting. He's like, man, he's like, that restaurant was beautiful and amazing. All the and chefs in the wrong neighborhood. in town. Yeah. Yep. You know, if, if we had had that in, in South Park or probably downtown or something like that, that, that would have... Can you imagine if we'd had it at Blue? Oof. Ooh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Man. That, yeah. was, that, that table's kitchen was a hot rod. It was. For sure. Yeah, it was It was absolutely awesome. But then the, the, the shit hit the fan with the banks and everything mm-hmm. in town, and that's when we had that real big recession there. Right, so that was 2008. 2008. Right? Like the, September The fucking bottom dropped out on Everything. all the banks, and it was just... Uh, yeah. And 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 so the people... So, so Table was out in Ballantyne, which mm-hmm. was a fairly new um, extension. At that time, yeah. It was like an extension of South Park, kind mm-hmm. of. like So it was, I would say, like young professionals, kind of yuppie, yep. business people, bankers, people who just got fucking annihilated... With the whole, whole thing, recession yeah. thing, uh, people that were like, you know, kind of mortgaged to the hilt, mm-hmm. live, living the life, but you know, uh, didn't have the, really the cash to back it up. 
Exactly. And I think that was, was kind of the demise of table. It's like, okay, well, now these people don't have the income to, 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 they, to survive. People stopped coming. Yeah. You know, blue slowed down, you know, a lot, but it was still pretty busy. Yeah. It was able to kind point. of break or just yeah. under at least yeah. for a while. It was. It was. And then, you know, then things came back downtown. You know, and, and this is, you know, another point in my life where, where I started noticing things that the business was doing to me. Now I've had all my children. I've got three daughters. I got a wife in at home, and I'm just working all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think all of us might have taken like three days off that whole first year. We were open over there because it was so busy all the it was time. Crazy, yeah. That's when I started noticing. You know, okay. Prior to that, getting married and everything. When you're done at night in this business, you know as well as I do. Okay, what are we gonna do now? And we're gonna hit the bars. We're going to, you know, drink as much as we can, find as many girls as we can, do as many drugs as we can, so we can calm down from what we just did. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay. That goes okay for a little while, but not for long. No. Not for long. It, yeah. it really takes a toll on you. But you have to have an outlet, you know, and, and I didn't do that for a long time. And so, you know, I'm with Martha and the girls and everything. I come home. And I'd still be that jacked up person from work. Yeah. Adrenaline still yeah. like... <laughs> And and it, it made it very hard, you know. I'll I'll give Martha all the credit in the world. You know, thank God I've got someone like that at home mm-hmm. to raise my children. Yeah, because because I'm at work all the time. You know, she did an awesome job. Yeah, you know, thank God. You know, I, I, <laughs> right. I, I can't imagine if I had been the one to raise them what they would have been like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hellraiser. Uh, yeah, sure. but then there's also you know the I come home and maybe a situation happens. I get all crazy like i did at work they're like we don't need chef gene here yeah we need dad at home <laughs> right you know and, yeah. and it took me a long time to to work that out yeah it's it's so difficult i mean even to this day i struggle with that you know yep you know, i'll just get into a situation at home and i'll be all right just go off and like oh fuck why did i do that you know i didn't need to do that how so how did you so your family kind of was part of the the evolution of, Absolutely. of like, how do I control this like you yeah. know monster yeah. that is Chef Gene? So let's talk about that because that's that's interesting. Um, I think it's something that all chefs have to deal with uh, at some point. Yeah, um, I certainly have. Yeah, and um, so you were you were a very high energy, loud, loud. I mean, you would get you get frustrated and angry. You would yell a lot. And um, but yeah, you, you'd make yeah. I'm gonna smash your face, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, you were never like derogatory. You never. were never like Mm-mm. you know you suck or like you know nope. I fucking hate you or any shit like that. It was never like that. It was just like it was this very loud, frustrated yeah. like I need to vent this. Like we're in this situation. Get us the fuck out of yeah, this situation yeah. right now. This is your yeah. fucking fault. Let's go. <laughs> you know, move yeah. your fucking ass, kind of shit. Yeah. And and you were lot like and that that kitchen was not closed, no, like the blue kitchen open. like nope. it was open on either end. There was like oh, a, yeah. there was a glass wall that basically a very separated thin glass wall. Yeah. <laughs> I say I'm pretty sure people could hear you on on College Street. <laughs> people would comment. We actually there were times when the valets would come in and ask what the fuck was going on. Yeah, yeah, is everything okay in here? <laughs> um, I wonder if people came for that. Some people did. Yeah, <laughs> some people did. You know, it, it's kind of the show. You know, and, and at that point. You know, that's when all these guys, you know, were on TV and, right. you know, and I didn't give two shits about those guys on TV, but that's just how I was. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how I'd been been brought up. You know, that's how the, the you know, the chefs that I'd worked with were, were like that, you know. So how did, so what, what did you do to become like, aware, were you aware of that at the time that you would like get elevated and start like yelling and stuff? I was aware of it, but. I couldn't help myself because couldn't again, control it. why can't you people understand what we're doing here? Yeah, get on the level. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> and so again, that's something I've always struggled with. I think, I think a lot of us have, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. It's, it's oh, for tough. Sure. Yeah, you know, have you gotten grips on that these days now? I, more so, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just you know, from working at Blue, and I started as I started getting you know a little older. And I think sometimes it's a, it's a confidence thing. I mean, I've always had that super high level of confidence, you mm-hmm. know. But it's tempering it a bit and realizing that you want to work with people. And I became more like angry dad. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Disappointed. You don't Disapp- want to disappoint your yeah, father. You like, know? Oh, this again. <laughs> and I found out that worked just as well. Yeah. You know? Do I still get loud? Absolutely. You know, and yeah. all the kitchens at, at Legion are open kitchens too so yeah <laughs> well people grow to expect it now they're yeah like, they're like what's up with this old guy just sitting in the corner oh, you gotta Gene, huh? still oh, put yeah. on the show a little yeah. bit yeah oh, absolutely yeah absolutely but the home thing was tough yeah you know and, and trying to trying to manage all that and you know one of the ways i did i started bringing the girls into work mm-hmm. you know they would do the the little the the chef things with us you know mm-hmm. some cooking classes we'd do the cooking classes None of them really liked it except for Eve. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, again, she's a 100-pound version of me, personality-wise. Yeah. She got, you know, blonde hair, skinny little girl, but she's like me way too much. <laughs> but she could be a good chef if she wanted to. Yeah. She she doesn't want to be in the business, though. So. That's smart. She's way too smart. To, yeah, to, that's good. To do, to do that, yeah, you know. got Martha's brains. Exactly. That's Thank great. God, you know. Um and Olivia doesn't want anything to do with it either, even though they've all done the clean classes. Gabrielle's in the business, though. Yeah. She's our, our event coordinator at South Park. Oh, no way. So she, she works with you? She, yeah, she graduated from UNCC with honors, mm-hmm. and now she's taking a couple years off, and then she's going to go get her master's degree. But she's killing it in there right now. I'm That's not great. not lie to you. And she got in a real bad car accident about a week and a half ago and broke her arm really bad. So I'm at the scene there, you know, trying to get her help in the ambulance, stuff like that. She's up in the ambulance. She's like, all right, you need to call this person and take care of that. You need to call this person to get it. I need you. I'm like, stop being Chef Gene. Yeah, yeah. Go get yourself taken care of. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It made me really proud to do yeah. that. And she's, she's, she's killing. We actually did a beer dinner uh, together last night. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, How great um, was that? It was it was cool. And, you know, in the middle of it, you know, maybe. I'm super proud. She comes up. She's like, high five. She's like, Briggs team does it. Yeah, like, dude, that's super yeah. great. Good yeah. for you, man. That's yeah, got to be awesome. a, a huge element of pride and like absolutely achievement to yeah. have a, a youngster of yours crushing it uh-huh. in, the, in the in the same business and not the same company. Yeah, and then, you know, great. and that was the other thing with Eve. You know, when she was 15, I brought her into Expo at Blue. Yeah, um, <laughs> during Restaurant Week, and I had to walk off the line one time to go do something I come back and I hear her yelling at somebody and Dago comes up to me she's like chef she's just like you yeah. <laughs> and I was like well thank god yeah yeah we were <laughs> and, in trouble um, she you know she worked behind the line at blue for a while she worked on the line at um at Legion South Park for a while wow she's good yeah that's awesome yeah yeah good for you yeah. man yeah so I, I was super happy about that you know but but again you know I got a and that all to Martha that these kids are so well balanced and everything because yeah. I couldn't have. Okay, and she's so. been able to deal with your shit too for all. I mean, so, I don't so know Martha how. used to work at Blue yeah. too. She was a server there, mm-hmm. and so I don't know how she deals with what she worked with you and then children and like holy home, shit, yeah. Yeah. what a saint, I'll Saint give her Martha all the in the fucking world. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so what's next for for Legion now? So Legion's got three like huge. Yeah, I we, mean, well, we you know we sold Blue. Yep. After 14 years, which for, you know, uh, the high-end restaurant is a long time mm-hmm. to be in one spot. And so I took about a year off. I did some consulting around town. I worked with uh, John Marino at uh, Old Neck mm-hmm. and did a lot of stuff. I actually worked with Corey at the People's Market for a while, which Corey's a really good guy. Yeah. I like him a lot. He, he said he was doing some dinners with you. Yeah. And stuff like that. That's cool. Um, and then I met up with these Legion guys. I don't know if there was a guy, if you remember, there was a guy named Russell that worked on the line there. I remember Russell. Tall, goofy guy, super nice, but it was kind of towards the end of when you guys were there. That's oh. when, when Sam Jett and those guys came over. Right. And again, I, I got to throw props out to Sam Jett. Yeah. Like, he came in working there for us when all you guys were there. Yep. And we beat the shit out of him. Big time. And he was, he was a, I remember Sam just being like a super young food nerd. Yes. With zero chops. Yes. At all. Yeah. And just a total book geek. 100%. Who could like, you know, he was very into like the scientific part of like yep. what food's about, but had no real Mm-mm. grasp on cooking and and, and that. Yeah. And we we just lambasted the shit him. out of him. He took it all, too. Yeah. He, he loved really it. really did. And, 
you know, I finally made him a chef at Oso when we opened that. And then he went to go work with Sean Brock down in town in Charleston. And you know, the kid's been, you know, on a, you know, going up since then. He, you know, he was with Ashley Christensen mm-hmm. when she opened Death and Taxes. He left right before she got her James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant, but she called him up and said, listen, you're the one that did that. Yeah, you know, that's great. You a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And now he's running Brock's whole empire out there. That's great. You yeah, know? he's a huge success story. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. So, you know, fast forward. So, you know, we sold there and did that. And then I met up with the guys. Russell, who used to be a line cook for us, was their head of distribution. Mm-hmm. And so I saw him at the People's Market one day. He's like, hey, you know, these guys could use a little help. They don't know that much about restaurants. Um, you might want to consult with them. So I walked in there, and the first day I met the owner, Phil Bushy. I was like, all right, I like this guy a lot. He's got super ambition. He really thinks a lot the way I do. He runs his company the way I do. We're family. Mm-hmm. We always were at Blue. Yeah. You know, we'd hang out after work. We mm-hmm. knew each other's, you know, everything about mm-hmm. each other and everything. And that was one of the things that kept us together for so long, you know, and still to this day we all talk. Sure. That's how he thought. Yeah. And I heard his ambition as to what he wanted to do with the company, and I was like, yeah. Cool. You know, and so we hit it off right away. Open South Park, and South Park, just like Blue, was packed. Yeah. From the day one. Yeah, I mean, the brewery thing had been popping off in Charlotte Big for... time. For a few years, we, we you know you and I and the guys did the first very first beer dinner like high end beer dinner in Charlotte with Michael Brawley from Brawley's. That's the, right, the Unibrew dinner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, wow, that's true. Yeah, so so I mean so Legion came like it was kind of halfway through this this like push of. Of breweries, mm-hmm. there was a couple like really well renowned breweries. Oh yeah, no none, doubt, of, them, no none of them were really doing. None of them were doing food though. They didn't really have like Not solid. Food. They were doing like food trucks and things like that, and like organizing those kind of things. Old but, Mech had the only place that was doing like real food. Mm-hmm. You know, super German based, but yeah. they were doing real food. And so I, I, Phil and I were talking. And I was like, we just need to take this whole brewery thing to another level. Yeah. And we're going to differentiate ourselves from everybody that's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a few places around the states that were doing it, but not a lot. You know, up in Asheville, there was a couple and one like that. But we walked in the door there, and we're, we got the, I got the same guys from Blue, Doggo, and all those guys are there. And Mitchie, yeah. you know, they came up with us there. We're using the same techniques. Yep. We're using the same ingredients. We're just making it accessible for everybody. Yeah. We've got awesome meatloaf. Yeah, we've got incredible burgers, but yet we're you know making all our own kimchi, making our own miso. We're mm-hmm. making all our own vinegars and all kinds of stuff like that in there too. Yeah, and we're running specials as good as any high end restaurant in Charlotte too. Yeah, that's awesome. And so that you know people are coming in for that, and they're they're not afraid to pay thirty five or forty bucks for a, a dinner in there. Yeah, that's great. Know? But yeah, you can still go in there three or four times a week and get a burger. Yeah get you know your basic stuff like that we don't have a fryer in there either really people, that's kind of surprising for a brewery yeah we wanted again we wanted to be able to differentiate ourselves yeah. we don't have one in any of our spots right now that's great and people don't even ask for it that's awesome yeah you know because we offer them enough to enough diversity and stuff that they, they're mm-hmm. interested in that you don't have to do the yeah. the, the fried crap yeah, exactly good yeah. for you man that's great so so they got th- so you got the three stores now and with one more one more coming up what's the time? month like a year a month away yeah or this in march this, this in march holy smokes yeah are you ready march yeah i mean <laughs> i'm i'm ready but it's getting equipment these days is, is oh yeah because the supply chain's rough or so are you guys like are you wait, still waiting on a couple equipment? i'm still i'm still waiting on pieces for trolley barn that opened seven months ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. When is this stuff coming through? You know, each one of our locations is going to be different. Okay. So it's not all the same menu. You, do you have things that kind of like cross over a little bit? Maybe a little similar. Yeah. But nothing right on. Cool. You know, the only thing that that's across all the restaurants are we get pretzels from Queen City Pretzel. Right. And he does a really good job with those. If um, it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's, it's, yeah. it's right. Yeah. You <laughs> like, know? And if they can do it better than you can, like absolutely, that's one thing I learned pretty early on. And, and you know, is like, were we using Duke's bread? No, we we never used Duke's. We never at, used Duke's at Blue. They weren't even using, around. Yeah, when did I start using Duke's? That might have been 
It might have been when I opened Five Church. But anyways, like be. so we we started a bread program and then um, I met Adam Duke and, mm-hmm. and his bread his bread's astounding. It's yes. delicious. Adam does a great job. It's expensive. Yes. But I mean, I, there's no way that any of my bakers could could make bread at that level. So we started using him. Not on a consistent basis. Yeah. And that's what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned that lesson early on. It's like if you find a product that's like better than you can do it, just <laughs> like buy it. You know, like mid month. Same so- big store? Uh, not as big. Okay, this so is, a little this smaller. This is closer to Plaza, our Plaza Midwood location. Okay. Um, it's going to be more um, brewery than, you know, full-service resident, but it's got a full kitchen. Okay. And, and one of the things I've been able to do is I hooked up with a guy out of Texas that builds our Argentinian wood-burning grills. Awesome. And I want to come see those. Y- you need to, dude. It. It's it's incredible i would think i want to bring my video guy down and we'll do you mind if we do it we'll do like we'll follow you for a day and take like some shots for, right. for the youtube of this podcast yeah that'd yeah. be cool i'd like to see um i'd, I'd like to see the kitchen and, yeah. and, and the, all the guys too like that'd oh, yeah. be fun just to see everybody yeah but to be able to show people that are listening like what you're doing mm-hmm. with the brewery food scene yeah in charlotte yeah it's 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 been awesome and the the difference with this one over at moorhead is we have the wood burning grill, but on either side of it, there's a wood burning rotisserie. Oh, sweet! And so we're gonna do like shawarma and yeah. al pastor and all stuff like that. And we, we actually developed our own bread that we make in house for that too. So it's gonna be more like a wrap. With that, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm hungry now. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Dude. And Charlie again, you know, Charlie Barn is different than than South Park. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Barn, we're doing more experimental stuff there like that and. Once I get all these restaurants open, we'll we'll be pushing the envelope with that even more. Right. We've got to, we've, when you get some time to focus on that a little yeah. bit and start playing the the brew system at Trolley Barn. There's nothing like that in the entire United States. They developed a totally new one. It's a we ferment all the beer there. Okay. And then there's holding tanks up above. I don't know. They got to be like 800 gallons each okay. up above the bar, and that's where all the beer is um, done from. So there's no Legion beer in there. It's a totally freestanding thing, and we've got a brewer just for Trolley Barn. Oh, cool! It's it's really cool. That That's I mean, neat. it's one of the most beautiful restaurants in Charlotte, and there's a view that goes straight down the the rail line towards downtown Charlotte. Oh, cool! It's so you really just cool. like get a clear shot down yeah. the, down and it'll the... never change because it's on the rail line. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's really Super it's really awesome. Cool, man. And so what's what what's next after Moorhead? I don't know. We're, we're gonna take some time. You know, like like I was, we were talking before. You know, we're gonna go from doing 6,500 barrels of beer a year at um, Plaza to 100,000 barrels a year, that's going to change us as a company. Yeah, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge, huge, you know, being the number, we'll be the number two brewery in North Carolina at that point. And that's saying a lot because there's some big brewers in North Carolina. Yeah, I'd say Asheville's got a ton of monster stuff and, and. Yeah. I mean, mean, even Nodon and Old Mech around here. Yeah. They're not, they're 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 right up there. Yeah. But we, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we decided to can Juicy J, mm-hmm. which I don't. If you had Juicy yeah. before, yeah. I mean, I, ha- I haven't. I haven't had a drink in three years, but I. I think back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, I did when it was yeah. still like all fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just put us on a velocity because we we put that in the Harris Teeters at the beginning of COVID, it became the number one selling craft beer in the Harris Teeter. Yeah. And number five against all the beers, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. And the, it won't. It doesn't stay on the shelves. Yeah. Ever, I really liked the Juicy J because it's it's a very nice balance between a good craft beer and like the super hoppy um, IPA. Like, yes. a lot of these guys are going over the top yes. with the the IPA shit, mm-hmm. and that's great. Like, people are into that. Fine. I was never into that. To me, it just became like hyper bitter. Yeah, it's like too like a too hot hot sauce. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and the Juicy J was like. The IPA that like had that hoppiness that you want from an IPA, but not over the top, and it was like had enough very approachable. Yeah, really awesome, um, balanced mm-hmm. IPA. Yeah, I could see why it would be super popular. Yeah, yeah, you know, because anybody could even you know a beer snob is gonna like it. Yeah, but then your regular beer person is just getting into craft beer is gonna say this is incredible. Yeah, it's a good too. gateway, <laughs> gateway yeah. into the dark yeah, side exactly. of hot beers <laughs> or, or alcohol. Period. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how we approach it with the food too. Yeah, you know, keep it approachable, but keep it better than everybody else. Yeah, still do stuff from scratch. One hundred percent. That's awesome. 
Yeah, everything, everything in the restaurants. Um, Kevin Barrow actually came back down from New York City, and he's the chef at uh, Charlie Barn. No way. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I can't wait to see Kevin. Yeah. I didn't realize he was back with you. Yeah. I thought maybe I knew that, but I don't. I don't know if if I did or not. But it'd be good to see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So, what else? Anything else you want to cover before we wrap it up? Uh no. I mean, not right now. I mean. Like I said, we're going to take some time off before we focus on what you got and but, tighten I mean, the screws. Phil's got big plans. I mean, even Cuba, possibly in the plans. Ooh, interesting. There's, there's no breweries there. Yeah. How, what is the relationship like? I wonder what that's all like. The relationship he knows business there. people there, and they're 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 going to just start getting into U.S. businesses, and once they do, that place is going to yeah pop off. Yeah, man, that that would be so much fun to go to a place like that and open up. Totally. I'll yeah. sail my sailboat down yeah, for there. For sure. And see ya. <laughs> awesome. Well, Gene, man, thanks for coming. It was so great to finally see you again. Oh, absolutely. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm going to come. I'm going to bring my guy down to the brewery. We'll, we'll do some video and stuff. It'll be fun. Yeah, let me know. All right. Good luck with the new spot. Thank you. All right, later.